Hello and welcome to the 16th episode of the Assassin's Creed podcast. I am Escoblades, your host as always, and uh, Happy New Year, I guess. <laughs> this is the first <laughs> one of the new year. Uh, I'm joined as always uh, by Yubi Gabe. As always, as pleased always. to be here. Yeah. Happy New Year. How was how was your holiday? Uh, it was very nice, thank you. Um, I went down to visit uh, my in-laws in uh, what I guess is... Um, like uh, New York State, no, okay. so like the upper portion, I guess. I don't know. It's sort of central, sort of southern. I don't know. But it's not New York City. Oh, that's what I do know. All right. for sure. But yeah, it's very quaint and very uh, rural. Cool. Cool. And uh, we're extremely uh, pleased to be joined today by Lydia Andrew, who is the audio director uh, on Assassin's Creed Syndicate at Ubisoft Quebec. Hello. Hi. Happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. We were saying just before we started recording, that you being the audio director means that like this has to be like the best episode of the podcast that we've done because <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> oh my goodness no pressure <laughs> no, no pressure at all we made all sure right. we have all the equipment we did like a couple of dry runs like switched on and everything yeah yeah <laughs> cool tested the fidelity yeah. of the sound made sure the bit rate was all right we're yeah. like look lydia we're here all these inconsistencies i have to do so much noise reduction yeah oh man well I, i'm <laughs> hoping has... that my side is is sounding okay so hopefully we're good to go you sound crystal clear andy has a mixing board and i don't i don't think either <laughs> of us know what to do with it. <laughs> don't press all the buttons don't press all the buttons wait i've been doing it wrong now i'm just kidding <laughs> All right. So for this episode of the podcast, as you probably guessed from uh, Lydia's title, we're going to be talking about the music of Assassin's Creed Syndicate, which was actually one of the things that was really praised about the game. So mm. I guess congratulations on stellar work. Thank you very much. I've been really lucky to work with a great team on the game, and it's really nice to have the game released and to see people enjoying playing it. It's really cool. It's great as well because it, it continues the tradition uh, of Assassin's Creed it has like really good like you know sort of like audio but the music as well it's something that our community tell us all the time that is one it's almost like an extra pillar of Assassin's Creed you mm. have combat navigation stealth music <laughs> we should add it yeah 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 <laughs> cool so let's actually get started by uh, letting uh, the community who you know how you got to where you are now they're always fascinated by like if I wanted to be an audio director what do I have to do like how, how did you get to this position um, so I've had a lot of different jobs in audio. So my path has been a little bit more complicated than some other people's. Um, a very quick rundown. I started uh, originally in location sound. So I was the boom operator, the person holding the long pole with the microphone on the end of it. So I started really at the, the kind of um, hands-on, on location, working on documentaries or soap operas. I worked on... Uh, British soap operas as a, a microphone operator. So I did a lot of that stuff. Like, and then I moved into location recording and then into post-production. Um, because I was really interested in what happened to the sound I was recording. You'd give all the, the tapes or mini disc or now hard disc to someone else. And then you'd watch the TV and you'd see the sound you recorded mixed in with the music, sound effects, everything. So I actually went to film school then for a couple of years and decided that I'd learn more about sound post-production. I came out of film school, went to into film post-production and worked in film and television post-production for a while um, as an assistant sound editor and as a sound editor. And then out of the blue, um, I got a phone call one day 
um, from someone who was working in games. And they'd actually met someone who, who had been a tutor of mine at the film school. And they were talking about um, wanting a particular kind of pe different people to join the game industry, basically. This is a, a long time ago. It's 14 years ago. And the game industry was really changing then. And a lot of people from a lot of different disciplines were being hired. And, you know, the consoles had changed so much. The kind of games had changed so much. And so I went along to meet the people at EA, um, where I worked before. And I was so impressed by the passion people had for their jobs. I'd played games before when I was younger. And I'd really enjoyed playing games. And I was really just impressed by the creativity and the passion of the people I met. So I did that thing where you go, oh, yeah, I could do this for like a year and see what happens. So I was with EA for like 10 years. <laughs> and then... Um, I had the opportunity to join Ubisoft and to join Ubisoft working on a franchise that I'd really loved playing. So I'd played all the Assassin's Creeds and I remember at home playing it and being like, wow, I'd love to work on this game sometime playing AC2 and being like, wow, this is amazing. I'd love to work on this game. And then I was given the opportunity to join uh, Ubisoft in uh, Annecy, Annecy in France and um, we worked on the multiplayer. So my first Assassin's Creed was Assassin's Creed 3 multiplayer. And it was just, it was great to, to, to come to the new company and to work on a franchise that you'd really enjoyed as a player. So I've worked on AC3 and AC4 on multiplayer. AC Unity, I was part of the, the team creating the theater, the player hub, that kind of thing. And now on Syndicate, I'm the audio director on the, the whole game, on the main game. So it's been a really interesting journey and great to work on a lot of different kinds of, of, of sound within Assassin's Creed, lots of different parts of the game. I think that's it, it's really intriguing to hear that you worked on the multiplayer side of things because as Andy and I were just discussing this morning about Rainbow Six multiplayer, like the audio is really important and I think for AC multiplayer, even more so, because you have to have the whispers, you have to know when you're not incognito, like, like all that's, that information is fed to you via audio, so making sure the music doesn't overpower things and stuff like that must be a tremendous challenge. It's really working in that online, in that multiplayer environments, a very different experience. I'd, I'd worked in some online gaming and some multiplayer gaming before, and it's something quite different for a lot of teams, definitely for audio. You need to think about your game differently. You need to prepare and you certainly need to test your game differently. You know, I think some people would get stuck in the trap of, oh, I'm working on a multiplayer game, but I can test this feature by myself. And so they'd be testing whatever they were doing, like animations or the art or the level design or the audio. And you forget that that is going to change into such a different experience where there's two or three or four or eight people playing in that environment and doing so many different interactions, so many different things. So when you're working on a multiplayer game, you really need to test in that environment to understand the player's experience, which is key to everything we're doing. And really understand, like, if, if, if I'm playing and this person's coming from this direction and then this happens... A, does everything work properly or does something end up being switched off? Like once we had a situation on 
think, on AC4 multiplayer, where there was this weird bug where all the ambiences would switch off if there were five of you playing and a particular event happened. But but you had to test with five people because if you tested with four, it was fine. And we only found it, like one day we're playing with five and we're like, oh, where have all the ambiences gone? Oh my God, what's going on? And then we, you know, tracked down what the issue was and we worked with our audio programmer to fix the issue. But if we hadn't been constantly playing, constantly testing in different environments, listening in different ways, we wouldn't have noticed that. So it's it's just a different mindset and it's, but it's still delivering the best player experience. It's still, uh, uh, you know, a creative and technical um, challenge. Yeah. And, and it's important because it's a thing you just mentioned, actually, and something people might not know, especially if they hear certain parts of production. So like, for instance, audio, you still have to have a very good understanding of the game, right? Because like certain, there's certain cues that will have to deliver certain sounds or certain pieces of music. You have to know intimately when that is happening and why it isn't happening if, if there's an issue. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things I love about working in audio and I know other audio people love is that your job brings you into contact with so many other disciplines. Um, you know, if you're on the audio team, you're working with the animation team, with the art team, with the character team, with the gameplay programming, AI, vehicles, um, animation, everything you know maybe like online programming is one of the few people we don't come in contact with that much but nearly every other department which which is part of why we really like our job but it also means that you are also testing and playing in all those different areas so it's really it's very often the case that audio people know the game quite well in comparison to maybe uh, another department because they're not looking just at one specific thing they're having to you know let's take an example we're working on the combat for the player so we might be we're testing the animations we've worked on we're tagging the sounds we're testing the sounds but we're also looking up how those sounds are working in the context of the world where can i hear those things from what can i hear in the world as well what time of day is it are there vehicles in that place as well is there music playing from a source musician or is their music playing as underscore is the player feedback getting through is the ui you know the sound ui working is the sound supporting the visual ui so all those elements are there you're having to consider all of them so different individuals might be working on those different sounds but you're having to view it holistically and so the sound team really plays the game and and really spends a lot of time in the game and if we don't we notice like if if we've haven't tested something thoroughly enough or looked at something thoroughly enough we see that very quickly it's like oh yeah we haven't spent enough time here we haven't spent enough time playing this so yeah it's it's really important but it's also really fun for us wow sorry No, 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 please. That's that's so informative. Like that's that's the nuggets of information that we want. <laughs> it's totally true. Um so to switch switch gears a little bit, um, at least in terms of uh having knowledge about a great deal of things, one other thing to add to your pile is um like the historical significance of the music, or rather like the the, the background of 
the because the Saturn's Creed is a little bit unique in that it takes on a, a variety of different time periods. So you have to um, be versed in the music of each time period. Did you want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the historical overview of the music that we find in Victorian London? Yeah, so that's that's another thing, as you mentioned, that's very interesting when you're working on the Assassin's Creed, uh, in the Assassin's Creed team or in that brand, is you do get this opportunity, both as a, a developer, but also as a player, to experience these different historical contexts. And obviously, as a sound person, it's a, a real challenge a really good creative challenge but also kind of it's like being a tourist a little bit you get to know a lot about a particular place now as some people either know or will be able to hear from my voice I am English and I do actually originally come from London so for me as well Syndicate was another interesting opportunity because it was the Assassin's Creed that was set in the city that I was born in so when I started to to think about the project and to talk about the project with the the team members that are the audio team members and the creative team members. We were really thinking how do we support that history? How do we we give the player the feeling that they're in Victorian London, but we also do it in a way that allows them to interpret that and feel that it's part of the game and that it makes sense within Assassin's Creed. Because if you just go for very specific historical authenticity maybe that's not exactly telling the story you want to tell maybe it's not supporting the player's experience in the right way so we're always trying to make that balance between what's historically accurate what helps to tell the story of the game and what makes people feel that they're having this really engaging player experience so with the music there were several things we did for example we knew that we wanted to have a, a mixture of music that you would hear in the world as you explore the city and also music that was supporting the player's actions and their experience. Um, and we would often call those like source music or underscore or diegetic music and non-diegetic music. So music that comes from the world and music that comes from outside the world. And one of the things in, in Victorian London that we really wanted to do was to show what an incredibly musical place it actually was and to do, and to really weave together the music you heard in the world and the music that was composed that, that underscores your actions. And it was something that we didn't feel we'd focused on that much in previous titles. We hadn't had the opportunity of being in a really modern city, you know, the London that's in Syndicate is the most modern city we've ever made in Assassin's Creed. Sure, we've had present day sections of the game, but we've never had the main game be in such a modern city. So for us then, it was looking at, well, what is the music of this period? What's, what's still famous to us? What do we still feel attached to because you want to find that resonance you want to find something that feels immediate to people like they understand it they go oh yeah that's I remember that or that sounds right that seems authentic to me and actually one of the ways we did that was for example um, we hired a, a, a musical consultant a musical consultant in the UK who's a professor of music and his speciality is the Victorian era 
And so I went to him and I said, okay, I have an idea as someone who comes from London and who knows a lot about music, what the most famous songs of that period were, but can you tell me what they really were? And can you give me a lot more detail about who those singers were and what was in, what were the top 10, you know, like what's the top 40 chart hits of <laughs> Victorian London in 1868? Who are the big stars? Where are they listening to this music? And also, can you, can you recommend places to us where we can find that music? Because you might be able to find the names of songs, but can you find the lyrics? Can you find the music? Can you even find, you know, a recording that shows you how that was sung? And so, he helped us with with some of that and then we sat down and we said okay so we've got like i don't know 80 or 100 songs we could use let's look at how we develop the personality of the city through those pieces of music so let's look at the boroughs that we have the different areas of london and say okay well whitechapel has a very different personality it has a different look in the game different people live there, different activities happen there, you do different missions there. So it ha would have a musical personality because, you know, music is, is brought to a place by people. So for example, you know, if you travel around a city, you might hear different bits of music depending on maybe like the ethnicity of the people, what country they come from, or you might have it based on people's age. Like maybe younger people are listening to a certain kind of music and older people are listening to something else. Or it might be based on like, I don't know, um, you're moving into a part of the city where I'm walking around like London and there's a big construction site and people working and maybe they have radios on and they're listening to the local radio station or something like that. So there's lots of different influences on the music of a city on what kind of music you'd hear. So we looked at Whitechapel and we'd say, okay, it's a more working class neighborhood. The houses are really close together. They're not so well built. You've got people that have come in from around the world, around the UK, they're a certain social class, they're going to have a certain kind of music. Let's look at those source songs and let's see which ones speak to us. So we chose a theme for the source music for Whitechapel, which is a song called um, The Ballad of Sam Hall. And it's a man singing about being accused of a murder that he says he doesn't, he hasn't committed. So it's this working class chimney sweep and he has been uh, accused of murdering someone and he is basically singing about his execution which is just about to happen he's going to be hung and he's singing and actually johnny cash covered this song um in the last 10 years on one of his last albums and it's quite a famous song it's it's been sung consistently over the last probably couple of hundred years so we chose that because we thought that song tells a great story and it fits really well with the borough. And now let's look at the other songs you could hear in that environment. And we basically did that for each borough of London. We, we looked at what the iconic songs were that we felt told a story and we, we selected them and put them together to tell a story of that place. So as you traveled around, you might hear the Ballad of Sam Hall being sung, coming out through the window, but you might also see a fiddle player in the street playing it, or you might hear a drunk guy walking home at the end of the night singing, my name is Sam Hall, and I damn you one and all, and I damn you one and all, damn your eyes. And because it's a really dramatic song. So there's this drunk guy like singing, I hate you, and I don't care what you say about me. So, so we did that. And then 
working really closely with our composer, Austin Wintry, we talked to him about these ideas and he was really excited by them and really embraced them. And he loved doing research into the songs and listening to the songs. And we'd often say to him, like, oh, we've got these three songs we could choose for Westminster to be the theme. What do you think? Which ones musically really speak to you? And then he'd help us to make those decisions. And then he'd take those songs and he'd sample them. He'd weave them into the underscore. So, for example, in Whitechapel, when you climb up to some of the highest points in Whitechapel, you'll hear Austin's incredible music as you're you're moving along the rooftop and going up to the Reach High Point. And you'll hear that the Ballad of Sam Hall, he's he's mixed the tune of that into the themes that he's writing for Syndica. And so it really feels like the world is one thing. It's not source music over here doing this job and underscore over here doing this job. It's the world of syndicate. It's the world of London. Music is, is spreading and it's very organic and it, it works together. And then, of course, there's the whole other things that we've done within the score to do with other areas of gameplay. But in terms of the history of it, it's doing a lot of research. It's talking to specialists. Austin did a lot of his own research about what was happening in classical music at that point. You know, we did a lot of research into the different kinds of music people would listen to based on their social class or what was available to people. So it was a really interesting journey into the music of the period and working out how best to support the gameplay experience with that. That's amazing because, I mean, one of the things, it was one of the first times I played it actually, and there's a bit in the game, obviously, you get to climb Big Ben. And that moment where like it just you're near the top and then like I guess it's an underscore at that particular point in time, but it kicks in and you're like, oh, wow, it just adds to what was already visually a fantastic spectacle. You feel like you're in the period and then you make the leap of faith and you land down and not too far outside of the gates. There are people singing songs. And so it's like, oh, well, I'm back on the streets of London again. right? <laughs> Head out of the clouds, you know, through serendipity. It's also really nice because you'll get that experience of like, you could be at the House of Parliament and or, or say any reach high points. So say um, in Lambeth, we chose a song called The Rat Catcher's Daughter as the, 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 the source theme. So we had all these other songs that fitted with Lambeth, but we chose The Rat Catcher's Daughter as a specific theme. So then Austin took The Rat Catcher's Daughter, which is a great song, and sampled it, rewrote it into the, the reach high point on top of the asylum. And so sometimes you could run through the streets, you could hear a person standing on the, the street corner or there's a great crowd character who's an old lady who's sitting on the floor looking a bit sorry for herself and you often hear her kind of singing uh, as people go past. So I'd, I'd run along and I'd hear this old lady singing the rat catcher's daughter in this great cockney accent. And then... I'd hit the asylum and as I started to climb up the asylum, I start hearing Austin's music and then I hear the refrain of Ratcatcher's Daughter under that. So it's all tying together for me. And I come back off the roof and run somewhere else or jump on a on a carriage and drive. And then I'm hearing another tune as I, I move past a pub or something like that. So it just gives this, I think it to me, the way I described it was it's like the city is breathing. 
you know like it's the it's the life force the blood that goes through the city and everything gets mixed up together and as the city kind of breathes in and out you get this rhythm this tempo this organic feeling of everything influencing one another and that that's what we were trying to do but we have a lot of different kinds of music you know we we obviously we've got the the score which i can talk about a bit more and and how great it was working with austin and also uh, you know how we use the music and how where we chose to put it there's lots of other elements i can talk about if you want (laughs) (laughs) i mean i mean it's 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 really fascinating because another thing as well it's it's not just like how it varies between the boroughs right even within a particular borough certain areas of that so as you've just mentioned there was like the ballads which i believe were murder ballads right they were specifically called that and you can elaborate on that in a second then you had the pop songs as well which are kind of radically different a little bit from those uh there's operetta stuff there's i it, it's not just me i spotted some shanties around and about <laughs> london as well right like there's all different sorts depending on where you are. So do, do you want to touch on a, a few of those actually for us? Yeah. So, yeah, there are shanties and some of them are the same songs that were in uh, AC4 because um, people love the music in Black Flag, quite rightly. It, it's, it was really great. I loved sailing my boat around on the sea, hearing my crew singing along with me. Um, so one thing with that historical period is that folk songs carry on through generations so a song that could have been sung in the golden age of piracy was still a popular folk song in the victorian era or a popular folk song now and they're songs that have been around for hundreds of years you know taste doesn't suddenly change so everything gets forgotten so for us yeah for sure looking at london in 1868 you're looking at a threshold in classical music or also in in leisure you know, people had more leisure time. There was this growing middle class. Um, so people had the time to listen to music. They had the time to go to recitals, to go to the opera, to go to operetta. They had the time to learn to play a musical instrument or children were forced to have piano lessons whether they liked it or not, you know? So it's like, it's a different time period. So we'd look at maybe... Um, the Westminster area of, of London and we'd say well that's an th- that has areas within Westminster that are very poor the Devil's Acre is within Westminster and that's a slum it's a really poor area but you've also got very rich areas very middle class areas so the music would probably be different there so maybe the people in the Devil's Acre are singing the folk songs they're singing those songs that have come up through history songs you could hear in the golden age of piracy But they're also just down the road, you know, 15 minutes walk away. There's a very middle class street and maybe there's a kid having a piano lesson and you hear coming out of the window someone playing a little piece of Mozart or someone playing a little bit of uh, scales. You know, you're really hearing like that, you know, is, is going on. And then when you're in the very upper class area, maybe you're near a church and you hear a hymn. Or we, we used Abide By Me and Rock of Ages as two of the, the, the thematics we used around Buckingham Palace and around Westminster. And those songs are so famous. The tunes of those songs are so famous. They kind of resonate. Even if you don't know it particularly, you feel something from it. And then, yeah, for sure, we've got 
songs in the pubs and the pubs in the in the more well-to-do districts have the nicer slightly you know the well-dressed lady singing the song and the song's a bit more polite and it's all about love and kind of you know romance and then you go into the more working class district and they're in the pub and the songs are a bit bawdier and they're a little bit more about maybe love and romance but of a, but of a slightly <laughs> more immediate immediate kind of love and romance shall we say um, so, so there's that side of things and the murder ballads were a whole other area so um, a long time ago, uh, I was talking to Christian, who was the music supervisor on the project and, and edited and implemented all the music uh, for all the underscore. Um, so he was working very closely with Austin. And then Matthew, uh, who's based in Montreal, was doing a lot of the uh, the source music, the things based on the, the crowd characters you see in the street. And Christian and I were chatting one night, late at night, when you get these kind of ideas. And I was like, hey, Christian, there's this kind of music called a murder ballad. And actually, the ballad of Sam Hall is a murder ballad. It fits into that genre because it's a song, a folk song, that's come out of a notorious individual or a notorious event. And it's being sung about something dark or criminal or something bad that's happened it's not a song about love and romance it's not that song and uh, and this genre is really interesting for us and if you look at the victorian period and you look at the penny dreadful kind of traditional the melodrama tradition this this interest in the grotesque the the draculas and the frankenstein kind of stories that people loved at that time um, the body snatchers, all of this stuff that's going on. Murder ballads fit really well in Victorian London. So maybe we should write some songs, some original songs for the game that reflect on the notorious things that are happening in the game. So like the assassinations, for example, what you're doing, these big events. And so with Austin, um, because he really loved this idea and he had some great ideas about it as well, we looked at well, how can we do that? It can fit in with the kind of musical musical tradition, the music kind of theatrical tradition that they had in Victorian England. And Austin suggested a group he'd worked with in Australia called Tripod. This is a truly international game. <laughs> and they, um, the Corey and Jeffrey, the writers on the game, uh, the the um, narrative director and the the narrative lead, suggested the things they thought were the most important actions that the, the characters did in the game, the big assassinations they did. And then we worked with Austin and with Tripod to write these songs and they came up with amazing lyrics and such catchy tunes. And we recorded them and we've put those throughout the game. And you also, obviously they're on the soundtrack, but you can also hear them over the credits. They, they run over the credits as well. So if you don't get to hear them all in the game, because you really have to explore and search to try and find them all, you get to hear them in, in the credits. So you get to hear them all there. And they're talking about like, uh, Pearl Attaway, who is a, a woman you meet in the game and what happens to her. And we recorded that one with a small choir. So actually the style of that one's very formal. And when they're singing, they, they have this very nicely, you know, dear loving friends, I'm sorry to inform you, I will miss our rendezvous. It's very precise and they're all singing together and it sounds great. And then you've got a song about 
Maxwell Roth, who is this this character you meet, um, who's a theatre impresario, and there's a song about Maxwell Roth called Jokes, 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 and it's very fast and very funny and very gruesome and there's blood and guts and and it fits perfectly with his kind of character and that musical tradition. So we tried to to tailor the murder ballads so they made sense for the personalities you were singing about and the moments you you saw in the game. So again, it goes towards trying to really reflect London, reflect the personality of London, reflect the personality of the characters and and knit together all the different kinds of music um, to really make it feel organic. Sorry, I just really enjoy this and I really enjoy the music so I get a bit passionate. <laughs> This is the easiest podcast we've ever done. <laughs> no, because it's just, it's, I was really lucky that I, I, I had this opportunity to do this and I had an opportunity to work with people who were really passionate about what they did. And the music is, a, all of the audio is a good example of that. And the music's a good example of it, that working with a combination of you know, historians that are passionate about their area, working with these lyricists, working with Austin, working with the people here, working with a, a, a guy we use in Montreal, David, who who's an outsourcer we use on the games. And he's worked on quite a few Assassin's Creeds, helping us to find the musicians we need, recording the music with us. So working with people that are experts and really passionate about what they do um, is is it's a nice way to spend your time and it and it allows you to give the player a really rich experience and that comes through that comes through definitely For i sure. mean like you just mentioned jokes 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 yeah it's funny we see that all of the time from our community that's i think that's one of their favorites and mm. i saw it this morning on tumblr somebody was going i really love this and how do you, you know it's like so yeah they're great songs i mean it was really hard for me because i loved all of them and people would say like oh what's your favorite murder ballad and i'd be like hmm Today, my favorite murder ballad is Give Me the Cure, but tomorrow, my way. And, and then, you know, it would come to like, uh, you know, choosing what we put on the official soundtrack. And you're like, oh, but I love everything. So it's really hard to choose. But again, you're telling a story. So you choose the things that, that tell the right story. Or, you know, we might be asked to put a song out for a particular event or put a song in for an award. And it's, really hard to choose and and I used to sing all of them like if you were if you were really unlucky and you worked here with me you would be listening to me walking up and down the stairwell singing give me the cure give me the cure away to myself or jokes 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 and there's laughter and there's you know and I'd be like singing away <laughs> I I have a confession um there are times I'd be playing here and I just break into Abide With Me because that's one of my favorite, all-time favorite hymns. And the first time I did it, Gabe shot me a look. It was like, what are you doing? Like, this, this, this is like my childhood. This, this came on and I had a moment. But that's also one of the great things, like I said before about Assassin's Creed being in so many different time periods. When I was working on Unity and I was working in France, there were people who knew the songs that we featured um, in Unity that were featured in the world. They'd say, oh, my grandmother used to sing this song to me. or And there's a personal connection, you know. And even if, like, even if I hadn't come from London and even if I wasn't someone who had a musical background, Abide With Me is such a famous song or Rock of Ages is such a famous song or or 
the Ballad of Sam Hall, if you've heard the the um uh what album was it on? I think it was one of the American Legend albums, the Johnny Cash. If you if you've heard it on that, you might not know that it was a folk song or that it was a murder ballad, but it'll seem familiar to you. And sure, Rock of Ages or Rule Britannia or any of those songs, when I when I hear them in the game, it's so tempting to just sing along. <laughs> Rock of ages, clap for me. Let me hide myself, myself in thee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Woo-hoo. laughs> That's a free one, folks. You usually don't hear me sing. No, but absolutely. And I find myself humming it. You know, I'll be I'll be somewhere else in the game. I, I was just playing Syndicate over the weekend at home. And I'll be somewhere else in the game and I'll hear um, oh, there's a song called Hearts of Oak, which is this very, you can imagine a slightly plump man in a, in a tuxedo on a stage with his arms clasped together, singing this very kind of Gilbert and Sullivan-esque song. And it's Hearts of Oak. And it's a brilliant song. It's not a song I knew that well. But as soon as I heard it when we were doing the research and we were sent it as one of the, the possibilities, I was like, wow, this is so amazing. And it has this line in it, Steady boy, steady. And whenever I hear it, I'm like, steady boy, steady. And I find myself saying that out loud, <laughs> like humming it to myself. And I heard it on Sunday when I was playing the game. And then I found myself like walking around my house going, steady boy, steady to myself. <laughs> and it's like, what the hell are you doing? You crazy person. But that's why those songs were popular. That's why they spoke to people. That's why they were the the top 10 of their time and why they still resonate and why when people play the game and they hear those songs, they feel that it makes sense. It makes sense to them. It feels organic and, and like it's real. So yeah, it's 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 been a really great opportunity and treating the music in that way, really trying to... Um, get the different kinds of music to influence one another and to support the personality of the city, the personality of the boroughs, the personality of the people or the work that's done there was very important to us. And I'm, I'm always pleased when I see people responding to, to it in that way, or, or I hear people humming (laughs) the music to themselves. It's cool. It's really cool. And I think it helps with the immersion of being in the city and, and hopefully also helps to support the gameplay experience in terms of giving you kind of subliminal clues to where you are in the city, making you feel like it's almost helping you navigate in the city or navigate in the missions or certainly that the, the composed music, the way that Austin and Christian worked on it together and the way that Austin put it together, it's almost like a, a classical score it has a kind of overture and it has a first suite and a second suite and a third suite and a and a a conclusion at the end of the game and it has these movements in the music that build and support what you're doing and support the difference between you know different kinds of combat different intensities of combat that progression through the game whilst also making you feel like you're in Victorian London and that you're in Assassin's Creed and and supporting whether you're doing well or not. And so we really looked at that. We looked at the kind of animations we had, the the very 
choreographed kind of nature of the combat and how much like dancers Evie and Jacob are, how fluidly they move, how dynamic they are. And we, we really looked at that and thought it's almost like a dance. It's like a dance of death. It's got this gothic undertone and that fits brilliantly with the period we're in and with the music of that period because that whole, um, you know, as I mentioned before, the kind of Dracula idea, the vampire idea, the dance of death, the gothic idea is is very, very popular in Victorian literature and, and culture at that period. And when you look at things like Penny Dreadful, you see that. You see that kind of thing reflected all the time in other um, media. So, so it was a really interesting conversation, a really interesting way of um, being able to approach a subject and reflect many of the different elements, not just something specific like, um, oh, it's a guy playing the fiddle and he's standing there on that street corner and we need a minute of music. You know, it was always again <laughs> overusing the word organic, but it was always again looking at it from that point of view. If if that, I don't know if I'm making sense. <laughs> no, you are. <laughs> we touched on this a little bit just now. Um, and... So I think it was around uh, AC3 that where uh, the developers felt that in order to really capture the feel of that environment, because it was the first Assassin's Creed where we had like wilderness, a, a, a legitimate wilderness setting that you're gonna, we knew people were gonna spend a lot of time in. So they made a decision to remove ambient music and focus more on the natural sounds of the forest and the animals and things like that. Um, as we progressed with the series, we started hearing more and more from players that they missed the ambient sound effects, the ambient, the ambient music and refrains that they would... Because they recall times when they would be, you know, on the Venice rooftops... And Venice rooftops would play, <laughs> or Ezio's family, uh, and and remembering those feelings and experiences they had. Um, so one of the nice surprises I think for me when I was playing was we had a bunch of people suddenly start asking about ambient music, and it was a few months out. So it was just at the point where I think like we get our chance to. Like, I, I, I tend to be kind of a purist, but I don't want to play it until it's, like, I can do a playthrough and save my game and, like, do all those fun things. Um, but I remember climbing to uh, a reach high point um, to do a leap of faith. And on my way up, I hear some strings come in, and it was the most beautiful <laughs> thing. Because it was, like, it was so sweet and touching to reach a high point in London in this new city um, but then that musical accompaniment added such a like a, a grandeur a gravitas to the moment and it was funny because I went right to Twitter and responded to that person immediately I'm like yeah no there's a music you'll be fine don't worry about it all I could say is climb up to do a leap of faith you'll be fine <laughs> so uh, I guess my question would be um <laughs> It is much as that was just a very long story. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the decision to include ambient music um, and and how how that how you feel that impacts the overall gameplay experience? So, 
it's it is a really interesting topic and it's something as as gamers and also as sound people uh we talk about a lot and and game designers and all sorts of people you know it's it's kind of a long-running discussion in audio in general in films as well like where is the orchestra where is that giant orchestra that are constantly playing the whole time you're doing something that's not true that doesn't happen in real life so we talk about it a lot and i suppose for me in syndicate my feeling was that one of the one of the things that music can do and can do very well is to to suggest a emotional tone and a pacing to something and it can also support character and story and it can give um uh, it, it can give you an opportunity to use music to add something which is not tangible which is hard to add purely in a line of dialogue or purely in a sound effect or purely in an animation all of those things can go together to give you that feeling to give you something intangible to give you a sensation of something but music can really help to do that in a game and i completely understand um decisions that have been made in in the past to take music out of certain situations and i think there's really good reasons for doing that in syndicate we were presented with an opportunity because it was this very modern city we were presented with this opportunity where there were all sorts of possibilities for where you could hear music where you could hear real music that you could put a pin in and say yep i heard it because it came through that window or that person was singing or this is a pub or that's a theater or there's a band on a you know like a military band on a parade ground and in the background i can hear the music there were lots of those real like specific i can do that but we also felt with the story the game was trying to tell and with the characters we had that the the underscore could underscore it could give you those sensations or give you moments of place or work in opposition you're seeing something that seems like it's not scary but the music is suggesting it is or you're seeing something that seems like it should be scary i'm looking at that and thinking oh that's quite scary but the music is giving me a counterpoint to that so it's also opening something up there it's giving the player different kinds of signals and allowing them to interpret a situation or to to interpret it their own way so that's why we felt on syndicate that the music the underscore would be important to tell the story in that city however we did really want the music to work together as one thing so we didn't as i said want to say well that's a guy playing the fiddle and he's over here and they, he's completely disconnected to if you were in combat or exploring or anything else we wanted it to feel like it had emerged from that city from that century from those people and that's why referencing the source music in the underscore or using the underscore to highlight certain kinds of actions becomes very important and not using it too much you know i think it's really nice if you can say oh i went onto the roof and i really remembered that moment and the music really said something to me or i was in combat and the music did this thing and it really made me feel like so dynamic like wow look at me i'm like red hot i can totally do this or or i went onto the river and it was nighttime and there was this very 
somber piece of music that because those are highlights those are things you hear and you remember them and you like them if it's wall to wall if it's constant anything you know constant anything is bad if it's constant music or constant something else if it was wall to wall music the entire time you're in the game you might get that sensation that feeling of elation the first time you heard something but would you get it constantly for us we didn't want music happening all the time when you were exploring all the time when you're in a mission we tried to pick the places we felt it really gave you something extra it supported something it told you something it changed the pace it set something in opposition it brought the the environment to life and i think you do that by silence <laughs> you have silence and then you have something it's that opposition it's that contrast which allows you to appreciate that and it's lovely to hear you say oh I remember I I climbed up Big Ben or I went onto this rooftop and then I I heard this music I heard abide with me mixed in with the music and I felt that real like shiver that emotional moment because you are it's special it's not constant you know I really love toffee but if I only had toffee all day, every day, I would soon not like toffee. So, you know, it's, it's, it's that thing. And, and so with the music, we're trying to get the best from it. Really, you know, and, and of course, we can always improve. We can always do things differently. We always need to challenge ourselves. And maybe what worked on Syndicate wouldn't work on another game. For sure, you need to assess depending on what kind of game you're making and where. But we felt that for this game, in that city, with those characters and that story, that's why it made sense to have music at moments when you were exploring, music to highlight particular actions and to really make you feel like you were immersed in this world, in, in this time period. And then, of course, we also have the great opportunity to contrast that when maybe you're not in that same time period. <laughs> so we get to contrast it with maybe a different style of music or some different songs. So it's cool. <laughs> that is true. And I'm, I'm hoping that, like, well, at least for me, this has been very fascinating and enlightening because, you know, it's given me more of an understanding of the things that I heard in game. And I'm hoping, you know, that like, you know, fans who listen to this podcast, they're able to pinpoint. So that's why I felt this particular way. I mean, before we wrap up, one thing I wanted to point out was especially combat and music is usually quite uh, effective at giving you cues in combat, but you'll be in combat with three, four, maybe five people. If you've happened to get into a situation where you've been spotted and so you're fighting people, the music is ratcheting up as you're getting to towards that last kill and maybe somebody is out of shot and you've, you're still in combat so the UI is telling you uh, you're still being spotted but the music doesn't stop it's like you're still in a high state <laughs> you've got to take out that last person and it's like a lot of the time you're thinking I can't see the person but the music <laughs> everything is telling you no this is not safe so mm -hmm. I think little things like that a lot of players just it kind of unconsciously expect that especially with Assassin's Creed because it's always done a really good job of putting that towards you in, in various ways but now understanding why right because it's like after that when you've when you've kind of calmed down it's like it's telling you your assassin is calm your character is calm the area is okay 
back to some silence before you get to a situation <laughs> where some more music kicks in. Like it's it's the little things. Yeah, and sometimes you can play with that, you know. Sometimes you can play with people's expectations, but you shouldn't do that too much because you use the trick too much, people start noticing the trick or it's really disruptive. If you're if you're saying to a player, "Wow, this is really loud and stressful and intense. Oh my god, bad things are happening." And actually bad things are not happening and it's not stressful and intense. Maybe you're doing that for a very specific story point, but you don't want to keep doing that all the time. I mean, I've played games where I feel very stressed by some things that are happening in the game and I shouldn't do. And it's, that's not helping the player. That's not, you know, and, and like I said, we don't do everything perfectly. There will be things where it doesn't fit exactly or it's not as reactive as we'd like or something. But we really tried to, to build a system and also with Austin, build the music so that you felt supported by it you know we we wrote very different the underscore for this game is very different we took a big risk and i really think it paid off and i think austin wrote some incredible music really incredible music um but we wanted to strip it back we wanted it to be a much smaller ensemble to be very responsive and dynamic and to to you know for instance People may not notice this, but it's something we did because we felt it was right and I think it supports things. We chose an instrument for Evie and an instrument for Jacob. So if you're playing as Evie and you're in combat, you may hear a lot of the same melodies and a lot of the same uh, cues, but she is a cello and he is a violin. So when yeah. you're playing as Evie and you're in combat, you are actually hearing a different top line instrument, the melody on a different instrument. And it's it's a subtle thing, it's a subliminal thing. But if you're someone like me who plays as the two characters who swaps backwards and forwards quite a lot, then I get a different sense of character, a different sense of personality and resonance in, in those people playing with those two different instruments. We felt that the cello reflected her personality more. We felt the violin reflected his personality more. So it's maybe it's not an important thing you don't have to notice that but it's just a layer it's something we're trying to do to support the idea of having the two characters as well and with austin looking at how him and christian structured that combat music the way it escalates the fact that you might be in combat with one or two characters before you even get music because another thing we can hear in games is oh i'm in a fight quick music oh i killed the person music stops you know, and, and that's that can be quite weird <laughs> sometimes. So, again, we don't get it perfect every time, but we tried, like, oh, we think this will be a low-level um, combat that will be over quite quickly. Do we need music? No, we don't. The combat sounds sound good. It sounds really crunchy. It's really immediate. It's powerful. That's all I need. I just need to hear my weapon. But, oh, now I'm in this environment like a gang stronghold, and I've come in, and there's music as I come into the environment that's, that's saying, wow, this is kind of tense, it's kind of dangerous, I'm getting into combat, I'm in combat with like four or five people, maybe they're quite difficult enemies to fight, the music is supporting that, but it's also supporting the pace of the fight, it's supporting being in Victorian London. Some of my favorite music in the game is the combat music that, that uh, Austin wrote, the waltz that we use as as one of the suites of combat music. I hum that to myself all the time. The first time I heard that music, all the hair on my... So, yeah. 
<laughs> I think traditionally, uh, at least for me, fight music has always been one of those. I, I, I distinctly remember um, in AC3, again, we bring it up mm. and like, you know, so, so some of that fight music going on. Uh, but yeah, I think like it's, it's absolutely fantastic. The work that you and your team have done on on this game because again you just have to look at fan compliments and and sentiment on social media like you know i i'm austin is pretty active on social media as well so we see it all the time <laughs> like the people are complimenting the soundtrack people are complimenting the music well i mean austin you know austin was a really great collaborator he's been he's been very kind in his comments about working with with uh, ubisoft and working with us i know he's really enjoyed the experience and i have to return the compliment because he's been a really good collaborator and you know working on games is a is a really great and interesting job but it's not an easy job you know everybody works really hard and puts a lot of effort in but also a lot of love and you know a lot of their heart into what they do and so it's really nice when you're working with collaborators who you have that really great creative relationship with and you feel that you both really understand what the other person is trying to achieve and what they're bringing to the table and working with Austin was was like that and he really you know he wrote some exceptional music and I think it works beautifully uh, you know, there's many moments in the game where I think, wow, that's incredible. And I love how it works with the source music because I also love the source music. And I love the murder ballads. And, and he obviously was very implicated in finding um, the guys for us who wrote the lyrics and working with them on, on the, the music. And and then you just listen to the music as a standalone piece and you think, yeah, this is great in the game but it's also a great piece of music and it's really nice to see the fans responding so positively to what he's done because you know he he's he's worked very hard and and he's done a really good job on it so it's good for it's good for us as the the team that are working hard on the game and it's great also from our perspective as as players because we all play so it's it's great as a player to play a game and hear tracks by someone who's um, such a gamer himself, you know, so in touch with games as well. So yeah, it's it's um, it's been a good experience, and it's it's it was great to get it out into the hands of of the fans um, after a long time when you're just working on it together. It's really nice to to finally have the chance to talk about it with people and to watch people play and and to to see again to see what people really respond to and maybe what they don't because we want to learn as well we want to learn from that experience so it's great to have the opportunity to talk about it um i'm sorry if this has been a no of me talking. not apologize <laughs> at all i i think like gabe said a one of the easiest podcasts we've had to do and b it's been so enlightening right mm -hmm. like you've you've as the kids would say drop knowledge yeah, it's true it's true <laughs> So thank you so oh much. Oh my goodness. I am so not one of the kids. <laughs> After 14 years in the game industry, I'm like an old person. So. I don't know about that, but I do know that anyway. after this, I'm going to go to my desk and I'm going to look at the credits and I'm going to listen for the for the murder ballads because that that is for sure a thing that I'm sure that our uh, our community is going to want to do yes. immediately after this podcast. 
Well, the very the very last part of the game, when you get into the last present day part of the game, one of the murder ballads plays over there. And it was a thing that Christian suggested we do. It was a very bold choice to have that kind of music over basically a fight sequence. But I think it was a really interesting choice. And it's such a nice moment to hear one of those songs that's reflecting on the arc of the game. You know, words that are reflecting on everything you just did in all the hours you played the game. So, yeah, I mean, I'm glad people love the murder ballads. I'm I'm so glad that late at night me and Christian had that conversation and we ended up with those songs. And I love the songs. They're, they're, you know, the guys did such a great job on them and, and I couldn't have asked for more on those, really, I couldn't. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to, to talk about the music on the game. It's been a, a real pleasure and, uh, and uh, I hope people you know, enjoy it. And if there's questions that come up, you can always send me some questions and I can see if I can we find an answer. We will be sure to. I'm sure there will be, but we will be sure to. Thank you so much for joining us. And yeah. uh, thank you to uh, our listeners who continue to come back to listen to the podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, as Lydia had said, you can hit us up on any of the Assassin's Creed social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, mm. everywhere. We're Assassin's Creed. Pretty much. We're, we're on the internet in yeah. force. Yes. Whatever you say, we'll, we'll hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Just whisper now. <laughs> All right. So uh, until next time, assassins, stay safe and bye for now.